to talk with your hands on a podcast. Welcome back to Bizarre Podcast, Dogs Must Die. My name is Grant. You can call him Chip. And as promised, we are back with a very special guest. Please introduce yourself as you would like to be introduced. Hey, it's me, Stuart Wellington, one-third of the Flophouse Podcast. I'm a long-term podcaster, a long-term bartender bar owner here in Brooklyn, New York. Come visit my bars. Um, And I am uh, an amateur enthusiast of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I mean, we're not getting paid, so I guess we're also amateur. Well, I'm not getting paid for this? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. There's oh, not man. enough money for that. Oh, man. I was hoping for a golden wind of money, if you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, a golden windfall. Yeah. Ah. So, uh, uh, Stuart, uh, one of the first questions I like to ask all of our guests is, what what brings you here today? When did you, when and how did you get into JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and, and uh, mm-hmm. uh, why has it got some degree of hooks, some depth into you? Sure. Uh, okay, I think my first exposure to JoJo's Bizarre Adventure... Uh, I mean, I I'd heard I had a I had a friend in college who was a big uh, like manga nerd, uh, and I don't mm-hmm. I don't mean that to be uh, derisive. He I'm he was just a nerd who was also into manga, um, and like he was the guy him for other reasons. Yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, he knows he knows what he did. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but he he was like the, he was the guy in college who had like the Japanese books where I was, I'm like reading Berserk without any, uh, I had to like figure out what was going on from just pictures or like he had a VHS copy of Mononoke before it was available with subtitles, like that sort of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and so he, you know, he had mentioned Jojo's Bizarre Adventure a bunch of times. And, uh, so I, I was familiar uh, with the name, but it wasn't until a few years later that a friend of mine bought the DVD the DVD of the OVA uh, for the ah, Stardust yes. Crusaders story. Mm-hmm. Um, he bought that at Kim's Video here in New York, and we like I think I watched it like four times in a weekend. I was just like totally into it. Uh, I think it's because it 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 had enough of the design of like uh, Fist of the North Star for me, but it also mm-hmm. has that. And it the 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 biggest hook for me is. That it looks like all the characters looks like they're designed for like fashion plates from an issue of Italian Vogue. If the models were all WWF wrestlers, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like that's what like I'm like I'm just so into this. <laughs> and that OVA is great. That OVA is awesome. Yeah. When Triple H came out with the farting dog gimmick, uh, what a time to he be should. alive. He should. <laughs> So that was that was my first exposure, and then I feel like I I noticed that the 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 trades are being uh, translated and reprinted in like nice hardcover uh, mm-hmm, editions. Mm-hmm. I think I I just been like reading stuff on Comicsology or something, and I was like, oh man, I should I'm looking for something to read. Why don't I check these out? And uh, and I I think I. I think I read up through uh, Stardust Crusaders before uh, mm-hmm. I, I switched over to watching the the anime uh, because uh, the, all the Diamond is Unbreakable books weren't available at the time. And I just yep. I didn't feel like waiting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And now we're up to the point where Golden Wind is about half finished through uh, through those yep. Viz Media hardcovers. Oh, cool. OK, well, I'll have to maybe I'll have to read it now that I've finished watching. Yeah. <laughs> and at least digitally. I think if you've got like the the Shonen Jump or the Viz app 
on your phone or something, they're early on into part six there. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, maybe I'll invest in uh, one of those apps because it's probably better than Comixology because they're, you know. It's like two bucks a, a month. It's Amazon. It's, it, it has all of One Piece on it for two bucks a month. So if you've ever wanted to uh, have <laughs> there's, a manga There's a couple that issues n- of that, right? There's a few issues of oh, One yeah. Piece, right? <laughs> yeah. If you want a manga that never fucking ends, uh, it's a good deal. <laughs> A friend of mine, a friend of mine, did a voice for one of the dubs of uh, of One Piece. He did the voice for oh, Sanji at, at some point. Uh, my my friend David Moo, and he got a lot of heat because he made some uh, choices in his character voice that people didn't like. But I'm oh, sure geez. you know. <laughs> He, I think he he did it with like a tough guy Brooklyn-y accent or something, and some oh, okay. folks were not oh. pleased. Does that mean it was the four kids dub? Maybe I, I don't know specifics. I mean, he's a very nice guy, great bartender, owns a nice bar in Brooklyn. So yeah, so, I mean, speaking of of bar ownership, let's just uh, I, I've just got a, a question, uh, Stuart. Yeah. If your bars were in Passione territory, which of these boys would you hope comes around for your <laughs> shakedown, and which ones would you, would you absolutely not want to see? Hmm. <laughs> Man, I feel like uh, Neurancia has a little too much like chaotic energy. I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to deal with that. He's also definitely too young. I mean, they're all too young, right? They're all like twelve years old or something. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, obviously, you want Giorno Giovanna. I mean, he's incredible. He's good at everything. He's smart. His outfits, I mean, that heart-shaped cutout, oh, man, it's amazing. But obviously, the number one person I want to come, I want the boss himself, Bruno Bucciaretti, with his sticky fingers, (laughs) just coming in, turning everything into zippers. I love that shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Giorno is, Giorno's an interesting, he's very different because, like, uh, I was thinking back on uh, uh, the the first parts early, or, or all, all of our previous uh, JoJo's have had really strong introductions into this is who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, where Jornos is more of a question. It's who is this guy and who could he be? Yeah, uh, which, which yeah. is a really big shift uh, uh, that that part five takes. Uh huh. And like, how did he get his hair to do that? But I guess that's a, that's, <laughs> a, that's a pretty common thing, right? Because with uh, Jotaro, you're like, how is his hair clipping through his hat like that? But, yeah, it's amazing. It's incredible. What design? Uh, with part five, I remember one of the things that the, the first time I watched it when it was airing that I didn't like was how, for a lot of the show, a lot of the middle of the show, Giorno kind of goes into the background a bit. Um mm-hmm. Because Bruno is such a strong presence and feels like the protagonist for a while. But upon, like, re-watching it, like, I was fine with it just kind of knowing that like even if like maybe the show doesn't explore it enough or focus on it hard enough it does kind of feel more like yeah the the opening four episodes or whatever asks you who could Giorno end up being because it feels like he's a protagonist who hasn't fully formed yet like on purpose Mm -hmm. and then he's just another member of the crew while Bruno is you know the boss essentially and then by the end Bruno fucking dies, and with <laughs> Bruno dying, that's like the instant Giorno actually becomes a protagonist. Like he takes over the mantle. Like like he Bruno just passes. I'm the coolest guy down to Giorno <laughs> as he dies, <laughs> and then by the end of it, because like Giorno kind of changes a bit. Like just almost sort of suddenly when his stand gets requiemed, 
Yeah, yeah. But but you know he he he's acting kind of differently and a little colder almost and a little bit more like Bruno by the end. And it's just like, oh, this is who Jorno's going to be. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. We we've also talked about all of these previous parts as coming of age stories, and Giorno is the only one who becomes his father. By which I do mean Bruno. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, I can see that. Uh, uh, I think Bucciarati is the gangster that watched over little baby Giorno. Like they, they are uh, uh, identical characters. They're not the same person. I'm not saying that there's some like time travel, uh, <laughs> yeah. face swapping nonsense. Could but they, they are clearly the same character. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean this this part is so much more of a of like a of an ensemble story, right? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they introduce the gang relatively early on and then it becomes like a let's spend some time with each member of the gang and get to know them and like care about them and Giorno's there to basically be like if we need somebody to figure out the enemy's weakness he's probably the one who will figure it out first. Mm-hmm. He might not be the toughest guy. He might not He might not be the key to defeating them, but he'll figure it out before having his body dissolve or something. <laughs> <laughs> the, amount of, the, the amount of body horror in this specific uh, series is wild. Like, it is so much grosser. <laughs> it's awesome. I, I was reading that Iraqi wanted to call this a farewell to arms, but apparently that's already copywritten by somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> that's weird. They're very similar in themes, though. <laughs> Both ensemble <laughs> stories. But I, I do think it's interesting how much that Giorno resembles Bruno in the end, because like that's the biggest refutation of like this franchise's thing about like faded bloodlines. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. He doesn't become either of his biological fathers. He he becomes his adopted father. Yeah. It's yeah. really interesting. There's no Jonathan Joestar in that boy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Bruno. Well, yes, he has more than two brain cells to rub together. There's no Jonathan Joestar. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, although like there and there's also like there's also I guess a question at the end of the series where he you know he has become the you know the head of the organization. I mean, you assume he'll be like uh, Bucciaretti, but could he become more like Dio Brando? Who knows? Could he become a villain for someone else down the line? Mm-hmm. That'd be fun. Oh man, feel- <laughs> that would be fun. Somebody else spending eight episodes trying and failing to pick up an object. Hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's clear that this part really like rides or dies on how much you like the rowdy, rowdy boys. Mm-hmm. I, I uh, had another uh, uh, person interested in being a guest, but not in this part because he does not like these boys. Oh, wow. <laughs> But they're such they're such they're such great boys. They like to eat food and give each other the dozens. So so yeah, if, if you're not really invested, this final stretch is totally going to lose you. Like you've got to have hooks in you to care once the requiem bullshit starts. <laughs> yeah. I feel like yeah, I mean of the compared to some of the previous uh series, this one I feel like the the climax is probably the weakest of the like, I care the least about the actual, like, what the hell is going on part. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had a little bit of trouble following some of the, some of exactly what's happening. Like, especially as soon as Chariot Requiem shows up and then, like, I'm like, how is he beating this guy at this point? Um, 
but you know, I just go along with it. It's fine. But yeah, it just didn't <laughs> like it. Didn't it? Didn't have the. It wasn't quite as tight as uh, you know the final couple episodes of Diamond is Unbreakable, uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with all the. I mean, which also had what time jumping <laughs> in it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just a thing like in Stardust Crusaders where you're like, okay, I guess Jotaro is just tougher now. Uh, I guess you're just going to beat him up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The final like confrontation is there is a lot of just random bullshit that gets pulled out, <laughs> out of nowhere. <laughs> I kind of respect the, the final confrontation, though, because it's so different from every other one of those in JoJo because it's not really a straight fight. It's like a race almost. Yeah, everyone's yeah, just it, racing, and then like when somebody gets too close to another person, it's just like, okay, I gotta like bump your car to make you spin out, so I get a better chance. You know, that's the only time they're trading blows, really. It, what if Wacky Races was body horror? <laughs> yes, yes. And then there was a weird puzzle boss at the end where you had to obliterate your mind orb. Yes, yes. yes. I mean, that, okay, that took me a while to wrap my my dome around. <laughs> I'm like, so wait, you can just. I guess, yeah, just punch it and uh, put a bunch of zippers in it, and I guess you win? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't... And wait, so there were only two orbs that you had to destroy? Like, you had to... D- uh, that's the, the problem was was that... So, like, did everyone have an orb behind their head? <laughs> right. The, this is why, like... Nobody the, knows! The previous episode, even though Grant convinced me this is not the case... And everyone is supposedly just has a mind orb they don't know about behind their <laughs> goddamn head. It makes way more sense that mind orb is the actual Silver Chariot Requiem. Okay. The, the stand itself is the light source casting, you know, light on your soul from behind, which casts the shadow of Silver Chariot Requiem, which is also like, hey, I punched the mind orb, the actual stand, and that's why it takes damage. But like... I think everyone just has a secret mind orb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so, like, so you're working, so imagine you're writing this, and you're like, I need to I need to bring back an existing character that mm-hmm. is going to fit into what I want to do, which is create this requiem thing that walks around and does this, you know, garbage, and there's mind orbs. <laughs> I'm surprised that it was Polnareff. <laughs> it's very funny I, that Polnareff is a hacker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that he lives in a turtle forever now. Yay! <laughs> okay, let, let's run down who was around in late 80s Egypt and isn't dead. Like, <laughs> yeah. we, we got slim pickings here. Yeah. That's true. We, we need someone who isn't a Joe star, and there's only one of those left alive. Super hacker Boingo would be fun. Would be fun. Yeah. Oh, God, what if it was whole horse, though? That would have been cool. Oh, man. That would have been rad. Mm-hmm. Didn't so wasn't uh what what's his name Koiki from uh, the yeah, little guy Koichi, yeah. yeah yeah Koichi little, little fella yeah where's uh what happened to him? <laughs> what happened to him he showed up in Italy and then yeah, he, he's still on vacation <laughs> I guess. he got a pizza he looked at some art and he went home for uh, for his his cram school yeah, yeah I hope he I hope he wasn't in Rome when all that fucking mold killed everybody. <laughs> Oh my god, just that imagine if there was a quick shot of just Koichi just like touring and he just fucking melts because he walked <laughs> down a sidewalk. God. Oh man, his his uh, girlfriend would be so mad. And then she would kill Diavolo, the yeah. end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So speaking of killing Diablo, he's uh, he's trapped in like a mental prison where he just dies over and over forever, right? Yeah, that's pretty wild. <laughs> that's that's pretty creepy. Yeah. So so I, I went through and uh, compiled kill counts of all the Passione members. Mm, uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Specifically, the killing uh, other Passione members. Like if if we just included like random bystanders, it's Chocolata by like miles. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, from the bottom, we have Fugo, Mista, and Pericolo with one apiece. Okay. Okay. Pericolo's KD ratio is one one. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, next up, Diavolo and Chocolata, two apiece. Okay. Because Chocolata killed Sorbet and Gelato in the anime version of uh, uh, the flashback. Right, right. That, that's oh, his two. Oh, okay. Okay, that makes sense. And now we get the heavy hitters with Bruno and Narancia at four each. Okay. Wow. Yeah, Narancia with his little, with his little Aerosmith. And Giorno at the top, uh, uh, either tied at four or or five, or infinite, depending on how you count Diablo. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. The um, okay, so uh, <laughs> were there were there any other stands that trigger after the the stand owner or whatever dies, other than Notorious B.I.G.? <laughs> no. Okay. And so, does that guy come back to life? How do, <laughs> how does how does that? So does he only get to use it once? Yeah, was he ever... I guess that's a good question. Was he ever alive? Oh, man, that's a good question. Oh, man. I would love if that guy was, like, partnered up with a stand user that can just bring shit back to life or something, and that's how he can repeatedly use his stand. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a powerful combo. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And also someone to, like, go to the bank for him and buy... A clothes because he's got to get that all custom fit. That is not a human oh, body yeah. shape. <laughs> yeah, just a square man. I can't imagine yeah. Carney's life out in society. That's is, his is... name, Carney. Yeah, and then <laughs> Pesci trying to shop for collared shirts, and you're like, buddy, <laughs> you got a Vin Diesel neck over here, man. <laughs> he invented the deep V just out of necessity. Yeah, it's like uh, it's like that scene in what Fast and the Furious six when they go to like a dress up party and I'm like oh no Vin Diesel has to wear a tuxedo his greatest enemy (laughs) (laughs) don't worry he wore it open necked Um, oh yeah so uh, the assassination team that was a great inverse of our fun rowdy boys Uh, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I do like how they were all named after food that was great what do you think the silliest what do you think the silliest because uh, obviously, this feels like the first time they really dug deep into changing the names of all the stands for at least the mm. the American, the English dub or subtitles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, there's some wacky, like there's some there's some wacky, weird interpretations that don't make sense. Like Emperor Crimson, obviously that's that's pretty straightforward. Lil Bomber doesn't sound like Aerosmith, but that's fine. Uh, what was it? Six bullets instead of sex pistols. Yeah. Uh, M- Moody jazz. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, there's a couple I genuinely like, either because they're funny or I they just. I'm fine with Aerosmith becoming Lil Bomber because it's just kind of cute sounding. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Uh huh. Yep. Craft work being arts and crafts. Oh right. Okay. Love Wait. that one. <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, which one, one was arts and crafts? Which one was arts and crafts? Uh, the the Breath of the Wild stasis power. Oh right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh man, what did they change baby face to? It was, oh man, it was something like baby. Oh, it was baby head. Yeah, <laughs> baby head. That's <laughs> even more of the baby. Yeah, that's the. Uh, yeah, that's true. Is that and was the stand the computer? Was the stand the laptop? Because he used a he used a little laptop, right? And the laptop did have a baby's face. That's yeah. <laughs> and it could walk around and stuff. It had legs too. And Spice Girl uh, didn't actually have anything to do with spice. Uh, it just made you rubbery, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Although okay. it did leave like spicy handprints a couple of times. <laughs> okay. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Metallica makes sense. <clears throat> I don't think I ever really wrapped my head around King Crimson's power. He erases time and he can see forward in time. Is that the case? Have you seen Click? No, no, actually. <laughs> For okay. some reason, the trailers did not make me want to watch it. And we're talking about we're talking about the Adam Sandler movie, not yes, Click yes. the Comic by Milo Manara. Uh, no, I haven't. Okay, well, the the best possible uh, explanation of King Crimson stand power is in Click, starring uh, uh, Adam Sandler. Okay, and a dog that won't stop humping things. While in in that movie, does he say? Wow, this is exactly the same power as Diavolo in his Kim Crimson stand. Yeah, it it's incredibly recursive. It's actually <laughs> yeah. not a helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like in uh in Fellowship of the Ring when the first time the hobbits see Goldberry, they're like, it's as if an elven maiden had come to the door. And I'm like, but there's no elven maidens in the story yet. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> In our last episode, when we, we had to talk about had to, like it's a chore. Uh, in our last episode, when we talked about the, the Rolling Stone fight and the, the user was like so curious about Bruno's last words, that made me curious. So I went back and checked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there is something of an arc to the three things that could be his last words. <laughs> yeah. So halfway through, just be- the last thing he says before his body is killed uh, uh, back in Venice, he's just mocking Diavolo. I invite you to face the future head on as you're greeted by the sight of me while on the ground floor. Those are the last things he says while he's traditionally alive. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then the last thing he says uh, uh, before ascending uh, uh, and, and giving up his second lease on life in Diavolo's body uh, uh, is just explaining what he's doing with the orb. Yes. <laughs> Quote, everyone's souls will return to their bodies post-haste. <laughs> okay. Post-haste. And his, the actual last thing he says uh, I, in the story is, Quote, fate is a slumbering slave, one we have at last emancipated. The day is ours. So it goes from, like, cocky fighting uh, uh, through... Um, matter-of-fact claims into, like, the, the wisdom of, of those who have passed on. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm sure you guys just recently talked about this, but I have some questions about... Sure. I have some questions about the last episode and a half of this show. <laughs> because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, why... What's the... <laughs> just why? Why? Because it feels... It doesn't feel necessary... Mm-hmm. Um, was it like 
Do you think it was like, oh fuck, I had the idea for this cool stand and I forgot to stick it in, so I'm gonna we're gonna do a little flashback right at the end. And by cool stand, I mean not that cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So what was going on there? What's does it add to some theme or deeper meaning that I don't I didn't quite grasp? It seemed kind of pointless. It didn't seem like I don't think other than Bucciaretti, the others involved didn't die, right? So it's not like all like this was one last trip for these guys. Well, the the final reveal was that uh, after Mista just wrecked the rock, it actually yeah. had three faces in it, and th- those are the three that died: Abakio and Arancha too. Oh, okay, 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 okay. So Guido, uh, Guido Mista, may do you think that because of him, those other two died? Maybe is that the maybe. implication? Maybe. And do you think I feel like? Mista got maybe more than Giorno got the most screen time of the, he was the, the boys. <laughs> he was he, Mista is absolutely the Polnareff of this group. We we we've spoken about it before, but like part five is very much this a very similar structure to Stardust Crusaders. Yeah, um, it feels it's like very a road much, story. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it it just feels like yeah, there are a lot of parallels with part five and three, down to the fact that like. Half the cast dies at the end. Uh, <laughs> you got a guy who is... He, he's not the same character as Polnareff, but he gets a lot of the same focus that Polnareff did. I guess Misa didn't really have as much of a character arc as Polnareff did, because he got, like, three. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Polnareff, yeah, what what a character. He lives in a turtle. The, um, the... He lives in a turtle, <laughs> loves to poop. But, uh, uh... And I feel like uh, Misa is one of those characters where it's like, and I think Narancha got a little bit too, where they're like, "Okay, so we need one of the one of the gang to fall afoul of this enemy stand user, and they have to do it by kind of being an idiot." And that <laughs> doesn't make sense for for Giorno because he's super smart. Just like you can't have Jotaro do something dumb because he's the fucking coolest dude in the universe. Yeah, I still think. I mean, I still think. He's probably the coolest dude to ever live up to this point, right? Is there anyone cooler than Jotaro? I mean, Bucciaretti is close. Did you see Jotaro's office at the start of part five? That's the coolest dude ever. Yeah, what a badass. I mean, a bunch of books up on a shelf that he can't reach. He has framed starfish. That's cool as hell. (laughs) I'm I'm looking at that, that office right now. He has one, two, three, four five six seven framed starfish oh yeah uh i don't know if you know but he's got a stand it's called star platinum it is a cool so stand he just, so he likes uh he likes stars and when other people go on vacation like koichi they just if they're at a gift shop and there's some kind of a star or a starfish they just buy it for mm-hmm. him and bring it back yeah. and then he's like yeah, i guess i'll yeah. frame this because i don't want to make him feel bad because i am the coolest dude ever and that's part <laughs> of being super cool is making everybody feel like you got that like when your attention turns on them they like their entire life brightens up a little bit so that's that's the whole thing about joe <laughs> yeah he's very he's definitely a very polite boy <laughs> yeah. well now at least yeah, he, no, he yeah, lear- he was... that was his character arc in part three, be- learning how to be more polite. Yeah, he was a rude dude with attitude at first, but he, he and Jos- uh, and Josuke had that a little bit too. Mm-hmm. He a lot also... of the JoJo's are a bit of a rude dude with dude. Not uh, Giorno <laughs> kind of starts like that too, and then eventually we're like, oh no, he's yeah, just he's... a sweet boy. He's pulling little scams on people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
he, I guess he's more rude dude with heart, which isn't mm, as fun because it doesn't yeah. rhyme. That's uh, true. And by heart, we're talking specifically about the heart shape cutout on his uh, little jumpsuit. Oh, yeah. And his ability to just make uh, uh, donor organs at a moment's notice <laughs> out of garbage in the streets. It's incredible. What a, what a power. I do like I do like the idea where you're like, okay, somebody on this team is going to have to have healing powers because I'm going to fuck everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> like, I do love the moment when, when, jo- uh, when Giorno had to sever his other arm off and they're like, I guess we're fucked now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ugh, that's uh, so funny. Uh, I don't know. I, I I'd like to circle back to the original question about what is going on with Rolling Stone and like sure, okay. yeah, that that part is weird. Like, if you are here for the story of how we got rid of that evil nasty boss, it is useless. It is nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and if you're here about the lives of the these rowdy boys and their relationships with one another, it's kind of disappointing it's not what it's really about yeah but if you're in on the fate thing what what is happening with fate what does fate mean uh uh can you struggle against it uh uh the answer seems to be no but there's value in doing so anyway it really is the keystone of it all Mm -hmm. do you think it's essential that this comes at the very end as opposed to like so, because that was the whole thing about Diavolo's uh, prescience is that he would he would see the future and he either thinks he automatically wins or he's automatically fucked. And then by the end of using his powers or whatever, we'd be like, "Oh, uh, tables are turned." So, <laughs> do you think if they do you think there could have been dramatic tension by including this flashback earlier in the story, so we mm. would have been worried about these characters? And and also see if there was a way that they could fight against their fate. I don't mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't know. Mm-hmm. The chronological cut would be would be interesting, <laughs> if, yeah. if only because I think it would make the the first third drag even more. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now there's two episodes where Journo doesn't even show up. What is happening? Yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the the hard because I think it it could work being much earlier in the story, especially if. You know, you, you put that earlier on and then add a little bit more actual, like, you know, intentional stuff in the story to keep bringing up the whole fighting against fate thing. You've got a villain whose power is just kind of like, hey, fate's on my fucking side and you're just boned eternally. Yeah. And then, yeah, you know, break breaking that in a way with, with Jorna's powered up stand. But... Yeah, I don't know how you put that earlier without making the, the first third drag even more. Cause yeah, like, that's true. I really do enjoy having all those flashbacks to flesh out the characters more than they are in the manga. But man, I don't know how you do that without also making the first third drag so so much. Yeah, what are some of the differences between the, uh, the show and the manga? Because I haven't read the manga for this yet. Grant, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think all those flashbacks are like the... The, the stories of their flashbacks were told in the manga, but just like uh-huh. very briefly in like a panel of oh, okay. like text mm-hmm. or whatever, instead of actually, you know. And then they're fleshed out into full scenes for the anime, particularly yeah. the uh, uh, Hitman team's flashback. Yes. Like uh, uh, the double funeral is not in the manga at all, but that's 
uh, uh, people who really like the execution team really point to that scene. It's like, that's why I like them. I, I, they, they seem like they all are coworkers that hate each other. But when it comes time to like respect their fallen, yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. there. And, you know, Risotto is <laughs> the last one to leave, you know. Is Risotto yeah. the one that wears the little jester hat and has Hell Metallica? Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. What, what a cool outfit. What a cool dude. <laughs> the, the, yeah, the goth jester. Oh, man. So awesome. It's like a member of Arcturus or something. Uh, the, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's that. That's cool. Yeah, I feel like that. That would make sense. So, so also like the stuff about like the time Guido Mista almost got shot a bunch, but they all missed him. <laughs> like that was all just <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And the story about Abacchio, uh being a cop and getting his partner killed—is that what happened? Yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And it also, I like that this highlights that it's similar to how in movies, uh, actors who can play, who play gangsters also always seem to play cops. Very similar, yeah. very yes. similar, yes. very similar skill set, look, attitude, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, we talked about some of the, the stand powers mm-hmm. and, and stands, but we got a selection of uh, people with incredible abilities that are not down to their stands here. We got a man that can be a bed. <laughs> we got a man that can fold his entire ear inside his own skull. Yes. <laughs> yep. We got the world's most brilliant surgeon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And a champion spitter. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're talking about the the dog man who swims in the, the dog man, uh, yeah, yep, <laughs> and his uh, and his break stand oasis, the the guy who can essentially break the laws of physics by spitting at it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot more instances of people using their own abilities in tandem with their stand abilities to make something even crazier happen, which I think is pretty much always fun. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It's fun to see a stand power get far more dangerous because the user it itself can do something also crazy. I would love to see a flashback story, uh, uh, like a prequel with, you know, young Pulpo coming up in the ranks to become <laughs> a capo. And he has to kill somebody by turning into a bed and lying yeah. in wait. I, I'm imagining the exact same scene of Giorno showing those cops his you know, folding his ear into his skull trick, but it's just Pulpo turning into a bed. It's <laughs> <sighs> oh, <that's> so weird. <laughs> hey, guys, check this out. <laughs> bed mode. I was so surprised that Pulpo, not not to talk about him not being a bed or anything, but it was. Uh, I was so surprised that he d- he died so early on because I'm like, he's clearly magic. Like it's wild that this like <laughs> magic dude. <laughs> Uh, but whatever, yeah. R.I.P. to a real one. Killed by a banana that was secretly a gun. <laughs> and that's why I never eat produce. Yeah, yeah. don't eat fruit. <laughs> Bananas were guns. Frogs were phones. What a what a sh- uh, what a show! Now with Diavolo and uh, what's Dopio? 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 Uh, I I gotta say my, I was not expecting my favorite Snow White themed breakfast cereal. <laughs> I was not expecting a the villain, the head of a criminal organization, to be like a split personalities thing. Dopio's scary. Like, Dopio gets fucking scary. It's yeah. fucking scary where he's making his weird little phone noises and walking around. How 
how much of Diavolo's success is because he was hitchhiking inside the world's deadliest cutie pie? (laughs) Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, and how, how old is that character supposed to be? Yeah, because you kind of, there are some things about Dopio and Diavolo just left unexplained. Like, yeah, we get that kind of like origin story flashback. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I forget what year it was. Was it like the 70s when he was born? Or something like that so he should be like in his 50s or something and everyone like that fortune teller remarks that he looks really young he was a teenage adventurer seeking his fortune in like uh, uh the days before dio's rise yeah in sardinia or whatever and like he just doesn't <sighs> age for some reason after a certain <laughs> point uh or at least dopio doesn't I, I like th- I like th- his his flashback one because it's a fun weird little like ghost story, but also uh-huh. it teaches you not you know the answers to the questions you want. It teaches you to stop uh, expecting answers to the questions you want. Yes. Yeah, you you should not expect this man to have a past. He is beyond having a past. He obliterates time. He doesn't have a past. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, isn't that what he like? Isn't that what he keeps talking about? Is how he's like. He's overcome his own past or destroyed his own mm-hmm, past mm-hmm. or something. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep. Now, he has a pretty unique signature look. I'm kind of surprised <laughs> that kind of surprised that Bucciaretti didn't really remember like didn't get more of an impression of him when they got in that fight under the church. It's all about lighting, you know. Yeah. It's, so. all, <laughs> it's all lighting and the fact that uh Seemingly, Diavolo looks like an extremely different man if he puts a suit on and slicks his hair back. <laughs> he looks That's... like a normal man. Yeah, I, d- I do love that. Like, every time you see the boss in silhouette, he just looks like what you would expect a mob boss to look like, maybe. Just in a suit with the, this very slicked back hair and, you know, looking like a man in his late 30s, early 40s. And then the instant you see the actual Diavolo, he's a fucking... <laughs> <laughs> like twenty year old twink or whatever. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. The with watermelon seeds in his hair. Yeah. Yep. And a very specific zigzag part in his hair. Oh yeah. And the yeah. I mean, as soon as he, as soon as Bucciaretti saw him wearing a suit, he would be like, "There's no way that's the boss," because mafiosos in this world dress like crazy people, like I do. <laughs> <laughs> like mafiosos just... wear he, Bucciaretti's wearing barrettes in his hair, right? That's what those yellow things are. Those have to be barrettes. And then he's got like... The narrator tells us in like the third or second or third episode that mafiosi blend in among the people. Yes. Makes and sense. like you see the people, you see the people in this show all the time and they dress like normal people. What is going uh-huh. on? <laughs> yeah, I do love the idea of like stand users being drawn to stand users. <laughs> And you're like, I wonder which guy is the stand user. Oh, it's mm. that crazy looking dude <laughs> who's posing at me. There really needs to be a stand user who's the most average looking man in the world. And they just cannot locate him because he's too plain looking. That was like the first stand fight ever. That's Tower of Grey. <laughs> oh, no, I guess so. Yeah, you're right. Wait, which is the first stand fight? Uh, or, or That's the... the... It's, third? It's like the second or third. Uh, uh, when when they're in the plane in Stardust Crusaders and, and the stand is a nasty little fly that writes on the walls with people's tongue blood. <laughs> right. <sighs> okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah, and that's Tower, right? That's That was back when mm-hmm. they were still naming them after the Major Arcana, the Tarot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Okay. And before they were just named after rock and roll bands. And Spe- speaking of all of the lore, uh, we, we got some, <laughs> some big lore lately. Uh, a meteoric re- re- uh, revelation, you might say. Uh, Good one. What, what do we think about the idea of stands as science fiction rather than like mystic oddness? Mm-hmm. I remember when I saw that reveal for the first time, I was just saying, what? <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> um the whole time when i think about it now all i can think is man there's a way to tie in the revel- the revelation of stands being a uh, product of an alien virus from a meteor with the alien guy from part 4 exactly mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there is there is such a way you could wrap all that up in a, p- a potentially fun way but yeah you're talking about the then- alien guy who shows up is mentioned a couple times, has an adventure, and then is never mentioned again, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That guy. Like you can, I can imagine a fun story around that. But yeah, then you do start getting into like sci-fi uh, stuff with JoJo, which it hasn't really gone into too much. I mean, it that could be fun, but uh, on its own, I I think it's strange because it doesn't really add much to anything. And as far as I know from from later parts i'm pretty sure it literally never comes up again (laughs) (laughs) so so part three uh in stardust crusaders is where they introduce stands at all right yes Yes. and then part four they introduced the idea of the arrow that Mm. makes people have stands or kills them or kills them you're right and then this and then this one explains the origin of the arrow yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay and okay. the mechanism of how it gives you a stand or kills you yeah okay yeah. alien virus i mean i've always approached stands as a big umbrella term for many distinct like multiple choice related things that interact uh-huh mm-hmm. maybe i'm just playing this card too many times but i i like the uh alien virus as a way to say that you're you're never going to solve oh, sure. stands do not try yeah. because this like attempt at doing so is so aberrant it should tell you that th- this is not a, a path worth like uh, investigating okay there, there is no solution to this problem because oh yeah yeah you know uh alien virus mutates you uh by your will maybe it's related to mikitaka okay how did dio getting stabbed with an arrow give stands to people on the other side of the planet good question yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. (laughs) you're never going to create a grand unified stand theory that explains all of these cases yeah so and speaking of dio uh uh they they do the reveal that Giorno is Dio's son, right? So he got late onset blondness. Yes. yes. <laughs> but you would think that I was expecting that to be part of the conflict of the, the series. That like him finding out that his father was a, you know, a monster vampire evil dude uh, would be the like would be part of his arc but it had nothing to do with it and i don't and i don't think he even <laughs> ever knows right he never finds out he never finds out yeah he just has he never this... knows what dio did yeah <laughs> yeah which is kind of wild it's wild that that's like the only the only reason that exists almost is so that we the audience can be like oh, okay so i guess he is a i guess he is a jojo 
<laughs> like this makes sense. It's it's all family stuff. I guess it makes sense. Yeah, j- just one more post credit scene where like uh, Jotaro calls him up on the phone in his like <laughs> sardine in his mansion. Like, all right, so uh, your biological dad. Uh, here's some of the stuff he did, and he's like, "Yeah, okay, well, rip to him, but I'm different." Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm built different. Look at me. My jumpsuit is now black, but it looks the exact same. <laughs> I and I do love that he he is like he's running the the crime organization. Like it's almost when I saw them, like, oh yeah, that was his goal. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like because he's acting up and up until this point once he's once he's gotten the requiem thing he definitely seems older there's like a way that the mm-hmm. the he's drawn a little bit different there's something about the way that he is uh like he he's presented that makes him appear a little bit older and more confident and also like a like aloof like worldly matters don't matter anymore but i guess they still do cuz he wants to he wants to run the criminal organization and get rid of drugs that's the plan right the mm-hmm. focus on selling drugs to kids is so constant and so funny <laughs> yep yeah and it's like it's it's very much like a funny to us but like the approach to drugs in japan is a lot more hardcore in that like even having weed is like really fucking bad for you there is nothing nearly (laughs) as consistent in golden wind as the absolute villainy of selling drugs to kids yeah Yeah. (laughs) gold golden wind loves criminals hates crime is it, this is the mm-hmm. fix we need to find the yep. one most heinous crime it's like uh it's like it's like that boba fett show where you're like he's a crime boss but he doesn't do any crime <laughs> i mean I, I was reminded of star wars yeah but specifically how we love royalty star wars mm. loves a king loves a princess hates autocracy yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so we're they're just all democratic figureheads it's fine mm-hmm. yeah <sighs> Jojo. Man, part five has some pretty good fights in it. Like, <laughs> even compared to other parts. I'm almost thinking more just like in, in the animation direction, whenever the show decides mm-hmm. like, hey, it's time for the to crank it up a couple notches. You've got some extremely good stuff throughout this. You've got multiple rocket arm punches. You've got Bruno zipping his head in half to dodge a punch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there's some really good shit in in part five. Come up with a third example that isn't Bruno. I dare. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. One of the first rocket punches is Giorno, when his arm is mm-hmm. half unzipped. When he's fighting Bruno, he he tears his own arm off and just throws it <laughs> at Bruno. <laughs> I feel like that that uh, that first fight between Bruno and Giorno is one of the highlights of the show. Like that that got me. Up to that point, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's that was where I started getting into it. You, you've got Mista constantly shooting himself with his own gun to win. <laughs> he only intentionally does it once. It feels yeah. like he does it every time. But yeah, I, all the other times is just the enemies deflect his bullets in a way that he gets shot by his own gun. But I, I wish it worked. I wish he had a, a chance to do it again and have like... His uh, stand, you know, inner spacing around inside him to to actually do something because it was such a fun idea. Yeah. What was what was Fugo's stand again? What what does he do? Uh, purple haze with the virus capsules that when he punches and it breaks open, it 
creates right. a disperses a virus into the air that melts everything in ten seconds. That's why he wasn't around later on. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much a villain stand, which is a fun idea. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Then that was he used that against the man of the mirror stand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The only time he uses it actually. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Whatever happens to him, he just disappears. He's the one member of the group that cannot abide with the plan of like betraying the boss and going against him, which does feed very well into you know Durant's whole character. It works uh-huh. out really well, even though. Yeah, he he is just kind of getting written out of the story because Araki wanted to narrow the group by one member, and he just didn't know what else to do with Fugo. Yep, that makes <laughs> and sense. And he didn't want to use the original plan for Fugo, which was that he was supposed to be uh, a traitor in the group working for the boss. Because, yeah, like, I feel like his there's also, like, a certain amount of limit to his stand. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. that's just my small, my lack of imagination. Uh <laughs> But I feel like that sequence, like that that fight with the the mirror world and all that, that was exciting. Like I feel like so many of the fights, especially at this point in the the show, are are all like it's more and more puzzles. Like it's however many puzzles mm, right, you can throw right, right. in there. You got to figure out every little thing. Uh, Bucciaretti hanging from the side of a train and like punching something, knowing that it would reflect and hit something else. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Uh, Mista having to shoot multiple bullets so that it can push the bullet already in a dude's head deep enough so that it goes goes into his brain. That's true. It's mm-hmm. a good one. <laughs> yeah. The the fight with the ice guy who's making everybody's hand like hands fall apart <laughs> with the <laughs> ice skates. That was a pretty wild fight. This part's just so violent. <laughs> yeah. Well, Even especially the- after the last one where it was like every time they get in a fight, they'd be like, "Okay, we're friends now." And now this one, they're like, yeah. I'm, we're just going to murder these dudes. <laughs> like, we're going to chop his We're going to unzip his head from his body, and then we're going to torture his head. And it's a fun team building exercise. Yeah, you're Look, right. We're, we're going to sing copyright safe version of Pussy Control while we, we dance around. <laughs> Th- thinking about the end, though, like, Diavolo defeated himself more than any previous villain. Mm, yeah. Like, Expl- explain. He killed Dopio indirectly, uh-huh. uh, and without and without Dopio, he's powerless, and he, he doesn't know it. Uh, I th- I think that's part of the interesting thing about the boss is, and going back to to what was explicitly told to him by that uh, uh, fortune teller, that as long as they're together, they're unstoppable. It's because Dopio does all the fucking hard work. Uh, uh, so. <laughs> when uh they they split off and that was the beginning of the end and then also yeah he uh caused the like conditions in which those feral sewer stabbers were becoming feral <laughs> sewer stabbers true yes. <laughs> uh so yeah once he's alone uh, uh in a body of of course it's an easy fight diavolo's never had to try before mm-hmm. yeah uh, King Crimson skips the effort, goes right to results. Like, he got private stand tutoring from Enya. Uh, uh, he's been carried by by my little pink baby boy. Uh-huh. <laughs> as, as far as effort goes, yeah, uh, uh, Chariot Requiem is the hard part. But just, like, beating up Diavolo, I could do that. God, why not? <laughs> he's a chump. Yeah. It doesn't seem like it seems like his his strength is exclusively in his using his 
time deletion power, but even that, like, they figure out they figure out workarounds pretty quick, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, just cut yourself, watch the blood drops. <laughs> Feel like there's probably an easier way to do it, but that is a very visual uh, way, so I appreciate it. Thinking about it, like you never, you don't see too many instances of Diablo using his stand power in a creative way that a lot of the other, that basically every other stand user does. Mm-hmm, aside mm-hmm. from maybe like dodging those those sex pistol bullets while he was running, or uh, uh, zapping himself out of causality enough to be shot through by a little bomber, yes, uh, uh, which is essentially the same move, but it's a good yeah, move. It is, it's, yeah, it was good. It was it was smart, but it feels like you know. He almost like relies on the the standability he has like as a crutch and doesn't do much else with it because he's so convinced mm-hmm. it's completely unstoppable because it's like, yeah, people figure out his power way quicker than the the similar power of the world in part three where it's like the most fucking deadly thing ever. Um, <laughs> and like that one was just stopping time and wasn't even being able to predict the next couple seconds of the future. Well, because that's attached to an immortal vampire, not a that's fucking chump. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Diablo is so cautious to the point where it's like he never gets any into any fights on his own, and when he finally has to, he just fucks it all up. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I feel like the lesson we learn is not uncommon in the art form, but it's uh, had had he learned the power of friendship and had a cool, sweet team of buddies. Instead exactly. of underlings, maybe he would have won. <laughs> the, the rewards of being loved versus the mortifying ordeal of being known, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The yeah, like the assassin squad. Had they been had they been working together more, maybe they would have stood a chance against the rowdy boys. But I don't know because like they were pretty big threats when they hated each other, but were still working with each other in those couple mm-hmm. of instances. I the the most. I don't know, uh, uh, fearsome uh, uh, and difficult stand battles that, that our heroes, you know, survived are the ones where they were, you know, are, are the ones where the enemies were working together, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the the train fight, uh, yeah. Tiziano and Squalo, like they all got real fucked up <laughs> real bad. Yeah. I don't even remember how Tizia- what what Tiziano, what's his name? Yeah, Tiziana. Tiziana. Uh, he's Squalo. named for a painter instead of a food. Okay, thank you. And that's their stands are what crush and talking talking heads. Yeah, <laughs> or uh, clash. clash and talking head. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and talking head, the power is that it replaces your tongue with a little guy who talks for you. Right? It says the opposite <laughs> of what you want to say. Yep. Is there anything else there? Am I missing something? Yes. Well, it. it it also made Narancha uh, have a super prehensile tongue that slashed his wrist when he didn't want to. True. <laughs> and turned, and, yeah, and like turn like sinks on. Yeah, I think that's all it did. And then you also had teleporting shark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> teleporting shark. Yeah, that was. I mean, that's cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It can teleport to the the your tears. The tears are streaming down your face. I, I would have liked to see a few more team team up battles because those are mm-hmm, obviously mm-hmm. the most uh, complicated when you get multiple stand users going in on shit. But yeah, you know, I wish the I wish the climax had had a little more working parts and a little less like uh, Deus Ex Machina. Uh, yeah, but you know, 
maybe not quite as exciting as the conclusion of the last two uh, series, but still still satisfying and has the very weird uh, decision to have a flashback that kind of makes sense and fits thematically <laughs> if, if being kind of a bummer as far as tempo is concerned. I, mm-hmm. I respect the final confrontation because it's the maybe the craziest one since part two. Yeah. What exactly? I'm trying to remember what happens in part two. So that's where he fights the three pillar men. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And supercars gets a laser to the brain so he can turn into birds and uh, <laughs> yeah. shoot armadillos at people. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I kind of remember that. His hand becomes a squirrel that can burrow its way through multiple Nazis' chests in one go. He makes yep. a, a suit out of lava so he can survive inside lava. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It is, it's very it's very scientific. <laughs> Air bubbles. Yeah. Air bubbles. Yeah, that that one's wild. And he's still in space. He's still out there in space to this day. It's my favorite constant of all of JoJo's just knowing that he's going further and further out into space. Maybe I'll have to re- maybe I'll have to reread that. How's the uh, I haven't watched the the anime of that one. Is it is it good? Is it is it yeah. the same as the comics? Yeah, it's good. Okay. Yeah. Do they condense anything? Part no. one is just Dio. Okay, okay, that all makes part, sense. Part one and two are just one season since part one is short enough. Okay. Thinking about uh, uh, the final you know, confrontation and also uh, uh, looking back to those early parts, Gold Experience is Hamon? Gold Experience is just the Hamon stand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it, It's still yeah. working uh, like all these decades later in both real time and writing time. Uh, uh, it's the same theory of what life is. Mm-hmm. That's and that's kind of thematically. That's pretty interesting that they bring it back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, he's the son of two Hamon users. His, yeah, his two biological dads are Hamon masters. Mm-hmm. Have Have there been any other aside from? Uh, Koichi, have there been any other characters that have stands that have multiple levels outside of the Requiem stands? I don't think so. I think Koichi's the first. Yeah, okay. Koichi's the first. He's the first one to get a Digimon stand. Uh, <laughs> I know there are more like that later in later okay. parts, but I think that's all we got for now. But yeah, I didn't really think about that, but yeah, it's it's going to experience is, is very much that, down to the fact that they they're still representing, well, I guess that's an anime thing but still representing life as, you know, a golden aura. At least they didn't keep that conductivity rule <laughs> that Hamon had. But, like, a, a golden aura with a will that, that it is a force of nature, that, mm. that there, there is alive and there is not alive. And that is a, a very important binary that, that there's really no uh, uh, messing with, at least not yet. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, no, there, there's a lot like philosophically in, in what it means to be alive that is true for both uh, Hamon and uh, uh, Gold Experience. Yeah, I like that. I had not thought of that before. Just talking briefly about, you know, the, the boys in general. Um, oh, those boys. The boys. Man, I kind of wish, like, it makes sense that Fugo is the one that leaves the group, but I kind of wish it was a Bakio instead. <laughs> I feel like because you just don't want to look at him. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel like Fugo had more character I was invested into than Abakio, who doesn't really ever go much of anywhere. That's fair, because Fugo has like there's a like a little bit of conflict there, right? I feel like I don't know. Yeah, from his past, and like you know, it comes up when when he's dying, and he has that 
you know vision in his mind as he as he's dying and stuff. But like I'm trying to remember any Abakio moments. He makes Jorno drink his pee. He makes like True. at the start, yeah. He makes Jorno drink his own pee, and then there's the bit where he joins in on kicking that guy, which is funny. But like I'm trying to remember any Abakio moments where he had like briefly. There's that bit in the first third where he, uh, you know, he does not like Jorno and stuff, and he's always disagreeing with Jorno's view of things. And eventually, you know, Jorno kind of grabs his respect a little bit. Uh, like at the end of the first third, but then after that, I cannot think of anything else that happens with Abakio that isn't just like a small funny moment. Like I, it just feels <laughs> like he does not have any other character moments. Mm-hmm, it, mm-hmm. It's all Narancia and Bruno and Mista. I, I think that goes to how much the show is an action show, and the way you get yeah. character is through fighting, and his stand is a tool. Mm-hmm. Not yep. a warrior, yeah. you know? So, yeah, he, he floats to the background the same way that Trish doesn't really uh, take center stage until A, she has a combat stand, and B, even more of the boys die. Yeah. Another shame, because I like Trish a lot. And she has, she at least seems to have at least a little bit of an arc. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. She's like a spoiled brat at the start, and then she, you know, slowly becomes less of one, I guess. Becomes part of the team. Remember when she's first introduced, she almost stabs Narancia in the face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and and is very particular about her stockings. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. That she does not wear. Just look at her. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, Abakio existed mainly to... It's... It, it's uh, he has a support stand. You Obviously, you want one on the team, but he's not quite as exciting conflict-wise. Yeah. Like, I'm trying like to remember, you, is Like, he... nobody wants to play him. Like, if we were playing this as, like, <laughs> like a, uh-huh, like an uh-huh. RPG, and nobody's like, oh, dibs on a Bacchio so I can figure out what happened in the <laughs> past. Uh, now now I'm imagining, like, six-year-olds playing JoJo's on, on the playground. Oh, yeah. You can't be Bruno. We all we already have four Brunos. you got to be a Bacchio. <laughs> I'm going home. <laughs> like, a Bacchio actively participates in in the mirror man fight does he actively participate in any other fight like it always feels like he he gets incapacitated or he's in the turtle mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what about on the boat isn't he like center stage on the boat yeah yeah that's even before mirror man but yeah he's got yeah. two fights that he's in you could say he's important in the the notorious big fight there isn't much of a fight oh, sure. if the plane goes down yeah he is the pilot in that one <laughs> yeah he has to be the pilot he also i mean he's also the ticking clock in uh dopio and uh what's his name yeah uh, that fight mm-hmm. yeah with, with risotto oh um, what a fight it's it's the best looking fight yeah right like yeah, it's, I don't think there's much competition, especially if you only narrow it down to part five. Yeah, it's just got a lot of really good looking bits. Yeah, and with the two of them, because they're both baddies, you kind of don't have anything invested, so you just want it to be as gory just and weird as up. possible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, and you also kind of want to see the be- you want to see King Crimson totally like wreck somebody and not feel bad about it. Mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I I agree that I think that might be the best looking fight. There's just so many good-looking parts to that one, uh, visually. And, man, I think it's also, possibly, the most violent fight in all of JoJo so far. Yeah. 
just I mean, the, the sheer amount of disgusting things happening. Like when he slices his own throat and pulls a set of scissors out of his neck. Yeah, that's super gross. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I, like I feel like after that, it's probably some of the Pillar Men stuff. Yeah. For, for like the level of violence, like near the start, where like Santana is, you know, burrowing his way through a man's eye cavity, or you know, the bit where all those Nazis get their hands tied together and then they get all of their juices sucked out at once and deflate. You know, that's pretty high up there too. But the, but that that fight in part five is still like the one that's going to get the most visceral reaction. I think it's just yeah, it's yeah. messed up. And it makes you think, I'm glad our boys didn't have to fight this Metallica guy. <laughs> God, yeah. That would have been gross. That would have been a lot of cleanup for Giorno to deal with. Yeah, everyone would be fighting, and Giorno would just be on the fly, just grabbing everything off the ground, like the dead frog, and just shoving it into everyone's wounds <laughs> to make more blood. I did, li- and I liked in that fight when uh, when the blood is streaming out of uh, Dopio's eye, eye uh, tear ducts, and you can see the like reflection of the like the yellowish like tint of all the iron coming out of his body. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, so funny. And then he has to quickly start. He has to start animals off the ground or something to replenish yes. his iron. Ugh. Yeah, he becomes a vampire for for a moment. Like he eats a kid. He eats a kid. Yeah, you're yep. right. Yep. Ugh. Metallica, though, has to be the biggest gap between how cute a stand is and how deadly it is. They are sweet little nubbin guys. They're really cute. I like them a lot. Little little silver jelly bean friends. (laughs) But yeah, super, super gross. Uh, Notorious B.I.G., that's a super gross stand. Uh, Green Day, also very gross. Mm -hmm. And possibly has the highest body count of bystanders, right? Because like... Gotta be, right? Oh, yeah. It feels like several hundred people ate it during that fight. Like, some guy was just walking down the sidewalk and he fell to pieces. <laughs> uh-huh. And because it's a stand, he probably couldn't even see why he's falling to pieces. Yeah. Uh, I think re-watching All Apart 5 was pretty interesting. Because compared mm-hmm. to the, the, the first four parts where I was just like, I remember all of this. Yeah, this is a good time. Part 5 was the one I've only seen once through all the way before and i went into it going oh man this is the part i like the least and like i still think (laughs) it has a lot of issues it makes it my least favorite part but i did come away appreciating it a lot more um Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in part because i think the english dub is localized a lot better than the subtitles are which helped a lot with both explaining what the fuck was going on but also just adding a lot more character to the boys because um, mm-hmm. I was just not into them my my first go round, um, and I came a- away from this liking them a lot more, and therefore feeling a lot more invested in everything that was happening. So yeah, I th- thanks to this podcast, I think I like part five a lot more than I did previously. Yeah, I was they they always say that the best way to improve the boys is is to get some good casting in there. Mm-hmm. Carl Urban, for example. Uh, yeah. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I so I watch it only with subtitles. How's the so the voice acting's pretty good on this in this one? Carl Urban. Mm-hmm. Wait, Carl Urban's in it? Who does Carl Urban do the voice for? <laughs> uh Billy Butcher. No. Um <laughs> d- d- different voice, different voice. No. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, the, 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 oh, you got me. Uh, oh. Uh, now I look uh, like an idiot. 
<laughs> the no, the voice acting is really good. Uh, not only the acting itself, but the different script they use for the dub is just ah, oh, it's it's great. Uh, the insults and and uh, smack talk are far more creative and just really fun. Yeah. Never mind the the emphasis that it's given by by the actors. It's it's good. It's good yeah. stuff. I imagine hearing some of these names over and over would be very funny too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's nothing like hearing uh, Zipperman shouted. Oh, oh, if you haven't heard the English voices, then you haven't heard uh, what they did to Sex Pistols. All six of them oh have my God. different accents, and number seven is a cowboy. Oh, wow. It's, it's, re- <laughs> it's really good. I will say, watching, watching it with subtitles, anytime the bullets were flying around i would always have to turn the volume down because they were very loud and annoying they're very high pitched yeah they're they're pretty good in the english dub and also yeah you gotta at least check out a little bit of it because the guy who voices diablo is really good especially in the final couple episodes when he's really pissed off it's Mm -hmm. he's so good in it okay yeah i and i like the idea of giving all the bullets different accents because it reminds me of who framed roger rabbit right (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll I'll give another watch. I'll check out. I'll at least check out a snippet of uh, get some of these act- these voices. Yeah. In a way, this has uh, it's been good to talk about it, and now it's making me kind of interested to see where the future of JoJo's goes because I know there's more. Mm-hmm. There's a few more seasons. There's at least one more season, right? Of anime. It's yeah. Part six is still in production. The first third came out early this year in like february and then the next batch of episodes comes out at the start of september uh-huh or october will it, will it be the rest of it will it just be uh the middle third uh, wait and see yeah okay i'm interested to see where it goes because uh there's been enough variety that i never quite know what to expect yeah i don't i, I don't have too much to add i I think this is a this is a series that is super weird, and at least for me, uh, who doesn't maybe maybe this is a totally normal style comic for some folks, um, but uh, yeah, it's great. I'm glad uh, I'm glad to talk about it with you guys and to learn a bunch of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's been fantastic to have you on. Thank you, thank you very much yeah, for joining you. us. Uh, Stuart, I, sounds like we're moving into plugs. Where would you like to, to point people at? What, what should people check out? Where can they find you? Oh, uh, you can definitely check out my podcast, uh, The Flophouse, where we, a couple of guys review bad movies. We've been doing it for almost 15 years now, I think, oh, uh, wow. by the time of this airing, <laughs> I guess it'll be 15 years. Um, and I do that with, uh, two good friends of mine and, uh, you can find us wherever you find podcasts. Uh, if you like to drink and you're in Brooklyn, I own two bars, Hinterlands Bar and Minnie's Bar. Uh, just check us out. Um, we're, I don't know, slightly nerdy, but, you know, normal bars. Come visit. Uh, and that's kind of about it. That's that's all of me. <laughs> oh, fantastic. Thank you very much. Uh, I am a regular listener to the Flophouse and really oh, enjoy it. And this, this has just been... Uh, really exciting for me. I'm I'm trying I'm trying to not do the thing. Nobody likes it when you do the thing, but there's a little part of me that's kind of wants to do the thing. Uh, <laughs> but we also have some announcements for this show. This mm-hmm. is the end. Like like we've been saying, 
Uh, when we started this show, this would have been the end. It will not be the end, but it will be a temporary end. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, while we wait for part six, uh, the, the part six animation, Stone Ocean, to be complete and ready uh, uh, for us to talk about it uninterrupted, we're going to go on a bit of a hiatus on this feed. Mm-hmm. What we will be doing in the meantime, though, ha ha ha, uh, is we are going to be doing a series of streams of JoJo's video games between oh, yeah. now and Ooh. then. So, uh, uh, Chip, where are those going to be? Uh, so those will all be uh, broadcasted on my Twitch account, which is twitch.tv slash chipcheesem. And if you miss them live, they're they're going to be up on our YouTube channel, Chipcheesem mm-hmm, LPs, mm-hmm. LPS. So those of you who listen to these on the YouTube mirror, it's like nothing's changed except <laughs> a little bit of the particular content. Mm-hmm. If I if I was going to check out one JoJo video game, what would be the first one you would recommend? Hmm. So I think probably the the answer most people would give is the the arcade fighting game produced by Capcom that's also on the PlayStation 1 which is just called JoJo's Bizarre Adventure I believe uh-huh. uh, it's based off of Stardust Crusaders fun fighting game um the arcade mode like single player thing does some fun stuff with um it's not just straight fighting game matches because it goes through the entire story of Stardust Crusaders, and there's certain fights that turn into uh, a different genre of game. For instance, uh, when fighting the lovers, and both Kakuin and Polnareff have to make their stands tiny to fight the lovers inside a, inside uh, Joseph's brain, that is a side-scrolling shooter Whoa. instead. Yeah, where you're shooting a bunch of the little lovers' copies inside Joseph's brain. <laughs> and stuff that's great stuff like that that makes it really fun you know a lot of attention to detail to stars crusaders and stuff for instance you can play you can play as a lot of the villains and so hey the guy who has the stand that can de-age people what if you use the secret move to de-age people on stuff like say old joseph joestar well he turns into young joseph joestar with his own unique moveset and stuff like that like there's lots of cool easter eggs like that throughout so I, I i think that's probably the best one to check out okay that's the capcom jojo's bizarre adventure game yeah and in fact i think like you can you can you know emulate it but there is an hd version you can get it, w- it was on the playstation 3 and xbox 360 so if you have a modern xbox console you should still be able to buy it and play it uh-huh um so yeah cool check that out good rick Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And along with the the video games, we are good, probably going to check out a couple of the other like side JoJo things, right? Or at least that that book Araki put out. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, the the regular uh, uh, podcast feed here will have some irregular uh, updates in the meantime. Mm-hmm. Uh, our best of part two compilation. We are going to be reading manga in theory and practice by Araki. A very I. I got to see if like my local shop has that so I can, you know, give them money for it instead of somebody else. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but but yes, very excited for that. And uh, eventually uh, there will be a big announcement for when we start uh, uh, episodes on part six Stone Ocean straight on through to the end. Mm-hmm. Some personal plugs then uh, in the meantime. 
You can check out my other shows. Uh, Sex Archie just finished the sixth season of Riverdale. (laughs) (laughs) At time of recording, uh, we have one more to go. So uh, I'm excited to see how they wrap this up. Does uh, Bailey's Comet obliterate the Earth? Who could say? Um, I mean, probably not, but maybe. (laughs) Possible. Uh, And also Six Feet Under uh, uh, should have uh, uh, the beginning of its final three episodes of our Mouse Guard campaign up. That is uh, uh, a cutaway to what, you know, the the weasels of Dark Heather are doing in the early days of the Winter War of 1149, followed by an episode on the war itself and then a uh, post-campaign epilogue that uh, I'm homebrewing a game for as we speak. I'm very excited about that as well. So again, that's uh, S-I-X-F-E-A-T-S-U-N-D-E-R.com or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a great time. So yes, while we are leaving you with our regular weekly JoJo's for a short period of time, you can still find all of our stuff doing a lot of other fun things in the mm-hmm. meantime. Uh, any Any last words before we go? Thanks for having me. And it's been a lot of fun going through these these five finished parts. Uh, excited for the eventual part six. Maybe, I don't know, finished by early next year, maybe? Who knows? Uh, and yeah, until then, see you later. To be continued. To be continued.